Gracious and holy God, we ask that your spirit continue to be with us as we hear your word proclaimed this day. Throughout this Advent season, allow us to look with anticipation to your coming to be God with us. Guide and direct now my words and all of our thoughts so that we can hear through the words to the message that you have for us this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, now that we're a couple of weeks out from Thanksgiving, uh, you may have finally began uh, to forget the sensory, sensory overload of sights and sounds and tastes and smells of the day. I don't know about you, but I really like Thanksgiving morning because uh, my mother-in-law comes to my house and she, uh, we, I help her make stuff with my daughter, and then uh, she puts it all in the oven at some point in the middle of the night, I don't know when. Uh, but I wake up and I smell turkey going and I smell all these wonderful smells. Uh, maybe you're like that too. But as we begin a new lit Christian liturgical year today with the first Sunday of Advent, I want you to think about your senses just a little bit more this morning. Our senses are interesting things and they greatly enrich our lives. You know, the smell of coffee brewing, the taste of ice cream, the sound of laughter, uh, the sight of a beautiful sunrise or sunset, the feel of wet sand between your toes, our senses really help us to experience the fullness of life. But our senses work in a unique way. Uh, they need opposites for our brains to make sense of what we hear and taste and smell and touch and see. Because our brain likes to make connections. Just think about our sense of taste as an example. How do you know that something is sweet? Well, you know that something is sweet because you've tasted something that is bitter, right? Something that isn't sweet. Without first experiencing bitter, it would be very hard to adequately describe something that is sweet. Well, this morning we're going to talk a little bit about a couple other opposites, uh, light and darkness. And we are going to run a little experiment too, and you all get to participate and this morning I woke up for some reason. I don't usually woke up and I had like beakers and like boiling things popping through my mind. And I thought I could really make you guys nervous about this experiment if I had them up here doing all that. But it was too late for me to gather all that stuff. So you're in luck. Uh, this is not a dangerous experiment. Uh, you will not be injured in the process. But uh, just know you're going to be part of the experiment here in a few minutes. Well, light is hard to comprehend without first knowing darkness. A long time ago, I was baptized by immersion when I was seven years old. Still to this day, uh, though I remember uh, Reverend Horner leaning me back in the baptismal pool at First Christian Church in Shelbyville, Indiana, as my parents, my sister, and all of my church family looked on. I remember that darkness of going down under the water with a, a little towel over my face. And then I remember... When I emerged, washed clean by the baptismal waters, united with Christ and his church through this holy sacrament, this intense experience of bright light. And I've never forgotten that light. But I think that the intensity of the light that day and the light wherever we uh, encounter it is made possible by the reality and experience of the darkness. Darkness produces a need unlike anything else. You know, when we're in the dark, We'll do just about anything to get out of it as quickly as possible, won't we? How many of you have bruised shins to prove that point, that you bang into stuff? 
thank goodness for Alexa and things, right? You know, you can tell her and she, she turns your lights on. But uh, anyway, we all have known darkness, the physical darkness as of an unlit parking lot or a house when the power has gone out during a storm. We also know the existential darkness of greed and violence and separation and disease and poverty and racism and abuse, sexism, injustice, addiction, environmental degradation and death. You know, darkness is all around us. I think that's why during this season, uh, so many people, Christians and non-Christians alike, decorate with lights. You know, everywhere from simple candles and windows to a full-blown 20,000 imported Italian twinkle light Griswold family Christmas spectacular. We drove around and looked at lights on Friday night, and there were a few of those around. In Scripture, darkness typically refers both to evil and to ignorance. From Jesus' time until now, the darkness of evil has been part of the world, and it's been around us. You know, news reports from Judea during Jesus' day would have featured stories of violence, injustice, family separation, abuse of power, financial improprieties, refugees fleeing oppression, and bottomless grief. And sadly, this sounds eerily familiar to today. But then there's the other sense of darkness, as ignorance found in Scripture. This refers to being in the dark, not knowing enough to cure evil and the suffering that it produces. In the book of Isaiah in chapter 8, right before the scripture reading that Jerry read a few moments ago, the people were confronted like people throughout history by the problem of darkness. And it is a problem for us, isn't it? You know, whenever something dark happens, whenever something we don't understand, we ask why. Why did this bad thing happen? Why, why, is, why is this person getting hurt? Why is this violence taking place? It's a problem for us, this darkness. And it was a problem for them. They sought the answers in magicians and mediums and self-help gurus and politicians. And in verse 21 and 22, it says, Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. They will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. Here the people are looking toward the earth and toward human resources to fix the world. They're looking to their expert, to their mystics, and to their scholars for solutions. Yes, they say, we are in darkness, but we can overcome it ourselves. And people often make this same claim today, don't they? Some look more to the state, some look more to the stock market, some look to technology. Yet they share this same identical assumption that things may be dark, but we believe we can end the darkness with intellect, hard work, and innovation. Somehow we seem to be constantly tempted into thinking that the light itself, light itself comes from us. But now we're going to do this experiment and see if that's true. Are you ready? I hope I am. Uh, in a moment, we're going to turn off all the lights. Don't worry, nothing's going to happen to you, nothing bad. You're not going to be get scared. Just stay in your seats and you'll be just fine. Uh, when we turn off the lights, what I want you to do is very simple. I want you to generate light all on your own. I want you to really concentrate. I want you to, grow, to glow. Okay, simple enough, right? Just put your mind to it and glow. 
That's all I want you to do. Now, before some of you get to be smarty pants and get resourceful and pull out your cell phones uh, with your uh, camera or your uh, phones on there or your lights on there or your keychain flashlights, you have to generate the light completely without the aid of an outside uh, prop or tool. Okay? So here we go. One, two, three. The lights are going to come up and they're going to go out. Oh, look at that. They already are out. Lights out. All right. Now go ahead and glow. All I see is Jerry not listening directions back here. Uh, but everybody else, I don't see anybody glowing. Okay, uh, let's try this again. Uh, try really hard. Bear down. Try to make yourself glow. One, two, three, glow. Balcony, anybody up there glowing? No. Choir, anybody glowing? No, if there was any place I thought maybe somebody would be glowing, it would be in the choir. But not even in the choir is there anybody glowing. All right, last chance just to make sure that nobody can produce light all on their own. One, two, three, glow. All right. Well, as we have demonstrated in this experiment, light does not come from us no matter how bright we are or how hard we try, does it? All right, you can turn the lights back up. Thank you. And just like we can't make ourselves glow, we can't make the world around us bright all on our own either. No matter how much we want to put together a world of unity and peace this Christmas, we can't do it. In fact, the belief that we can save ourselves, that some political system or ideology or technological innovation can fix human problems has only led to more darkness in the world, as Isaiah 8 illustrated. The lens of Christmas for Christians, Timothy Keller points out, is the most unsentimental, realistic way of looking at life. It does not say, cheer up. If we all pull together, we can make the world a better place. The Bible never counsels indifference to the forces of darkness, only resistance, but it supports no illusions that we can defeat them ourselves. Christianity does not agree with the optimistic thinkers who say we can fix things if we only try hard enough, nor does it agree with the pessimists who see only a dystopian future where everything is falling apart. Instead, the Christian message is that things really are this bad, and we can't heal ourselves. They really are this dark, but nevertheless, there is still hope. The good news, the hopeful message of Christmas is that the prophet, is as the prophet Isaiah spoke, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Notice it does not say that they shine light on themselves, but rather upon the world light has shined. It has come to us from the outside. Isaiah uses sunlight as a symbol of God's light, a light that brings and is the source of all life and truth and joy. As Acts 17:28 reminds us, only in God do we live and move and have our being. We only exist because God is graciously upholding us, keeping us together at every moment. God alone 
has the life and the truth and the joy that we lack and cannot generate for ourselves. So I hope you're wondering, then how can this divine light shine upon us? In verses 6 and 7 of our text this morning, we heard the answer with stunning directness. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. This child brings the light. And he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These four titles only apply to God. The child is the Almighty God. And yet he is born. And this is a claim that's unlike that of any other major religion. Jesus Christ is God incarnate. And he understands our world and the darkness that we face because he has been through our human experience. Jesus later also makes it clear in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There indeed is light outside of the world, and Jesus has brought that light down to save us. To accept this gift of salvation through Christ, we must give up striving on our own. We must admit that we are all sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God, and we are hopeless to try and save ourselves. And I realize this admission is farther than many of us like to go. But the greatness of Jesus Christ is seen in how far he came down to save us. Jesus descended into greatness. And Acts 3.19 reminds us that it is only through repentance that you can come into his light. C.S. Lewis illustrates this point uh, in Miracles when he writes, in the Christian story, God comes down, down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity, down further still, down to the very roots and seabed of the nature that he has created. But he goes down to come up again and bring the whole ruined world up with him. One may think of a diver first reducing himself to nakedness, then glancing in midair, then gone with the splash, vanished, rushing down through green and warm water into black and cold water, down through increasing pressure into the death-like region of ooze and slime and old decay, then up again, back to color and light, his lungs almost bursting, till suddenly he breaks surface again, holding in his hand the dripping precious thing that he went down to recover. promises of Christmas cannot be discerned unless you first admit you can't save yourself or even know yourself without the light of Christ's unmerited grace in your life. We can only have this life fully when we acknowledge our dependence and let Jesus be the answer to our darkness. And when we do, the light that has shined upon you will now shine in you and be a light for others. This Advent season, stop trying so hard and trust in the one who has come to save us all. Amen.